Are you alone? Have you turned out the lights? Is your door locked? Good. Let's begin. It's a chilly February evening. The cold bites at my toes like a teething newborn puppy. I feel like blocks of ice wedged at the bottom of my trainers. The wind bellows from somewhere far and rips through my hair, tugging violently against my scalp. I bury my head deep into my shoulders and I march on, as I always do. I glance up and notice how the sky is turning grey, and I notice how the trees dance violently in the wind. But I don't fight it, no. They surrender to its formidable strength and accepted defeat. As I walk away from the warmth of my house, I question why I signed up to work night shifts. In fact, I question why I do this job at all. The people I work with are infuriating, the patients are demanding, the place stinks of bleach, and the uniform makes me itch. I only signed up to train because I needed the money, and the fact I didn't want to be stuck in an office my entire life. But I never expected that 20 years later, and I'd still be here. In all honesty, I think I would be suited better to working with animals. They complain a lot less, that's for sure. As I turn a corner at the top of Oak Avenue, I can see the hospital, painted blue and white against the darkening sky. The road spins round to the right. I could turn around, walk away, call in sick and watch a film with takeaway on my lap. But something inside of me prefers the idea of being at work. I can get ever so lonely at home when you only have the internet for company. So I carry on, one foot in front of the other willingly walking myself to whatever trauma awaits me inside those walls. It's an unusually quiet Friday night at the hospital. Most emergencies are being directed to Musgrove, our neighboring hospital, and we have lots of empty beds. The long corridors don't have the usual hustle and bustle and the squeaking of clean trainers and the thud, thud, thud of speeding bets are almost entirely absent in the liminal space which bridges the gap between life and death. The hospital bends round in a circle, joining up at either end like some sort of hamster wheel, making it quite challenging to find your way out if you're new. As I pace my way down a never-ending bridge to death, I look out the glass window across to the other side of the hospital hamster wheel. I see the parallel corridors which house Pete's and oncology, suspiciously quiet also. I raise my hand to wave at Maggie, a fellow nurse who hates her job almost as much as I do, but she blanks me, totally blanks me. Bloody rude of her if you ask me. I carry on walking toward mine where I'm picking up Mrs. Patrick, 
to transfer her to a ward downstairs. And the poor sot is on a ventilator and is keeping everyone awake at night. The sound of the abrupt sucking of oxygen is enough to send anyone potty. My trainers squeak as I turn right and push open the two double doors. I'm heading to the lift with Mrs. Patrick, ventilator by her side, and I can't help but notice how vulnerable this woman is. She's so ill, her skin's so dry, her bones so fragile, and her heart's so weak. But it's more than that. She looks so sick with fear, as a ventilator strapped so tightly to her frail face she looks like she might break, like her cheekbones might snap and then her nose, and then her neck. The lift stinks of bleach. Even wearing a mask doesn't dull the smell. In fact, I think it makes it worse. The stench links to the fabric and makes your eyes pour more tears than you thought possible. I push Mrs. Patrick into the lift and follow on through closely behind her. I select floor one and wait for the doors to shut sealing us both in. We start going down. The sound of her ventilator consumes the lift, gasping of air, cursing through the silence. It's pitch black. Bloody fuse box. Don't panic, Mrs. Patrick. Just a dodgy fuse box again. The lights will be back on any moment now. I don't know why I bother talking to her. She can't talk back. If she takes a ventilator, she will most likely die. Perhaps it's a small part of me that does still care. I turn around to push the emergency button in the lift. My heart is pulled up into my throat. I feel like I'm falling a million miles an hour, or like my head has been hit with a fire extinguisher, or like my soul is leaving my body. I can't breathe. My lungs feel like they've been filled with water. I'm drowning. I try to scream, but I can't. It's like my arms are beating against the water of ocean, desperately trying to pull me to the surface, to safety. But it's pointless. I'm consumed. I think this is it. We're still. We're still. It's okay, Mrs. Patrick. We will get off the lift soon. But I can't hear her ventilator. The abrupt sucking noise has gone, vanished. I reach out to her bed, but it's, it's gone. I fumble around in the darkness, but I can't find anything. There's nothing, absolutely nothing. No walls, no buttons, no doors, no bat, no Mrs. Patrick. I struggle to comprehend what's happening. Where am I? My eyes straining against the black. I, I begin to walk. The floor feels different, like I'm squelching in shallow mud. It feels like tiny little worms are forcing their way between my toes and filling up my shoes. I keep walking tentatively, arms outstretched, the darkness 
eating at my fingertips. Whichever way I turn, there's just more nothingness. I try not to panic, try to stay cool, but I am panicking, and I can't stop. The dog whispers in my ear, beckoning me to his lair, to surrender to him. I block him out, try to think of other things, but he's persistent, ringing in my ear, rattling at my eardrum. I tell him to stop. stop. Please, stop it. I don't like it. Stop. Leave me alone, please. I hear the thud, thud, thud of a hospital bed. It's coming towards me. Thud, thud, thud. There is it again. Thud, thud, thud. Wait, no. It's coming from behind me. Thud, thud, thud. It's getting quicker and quicker and quicker and louder and louder and louder like a racehorse pelting down the track hoops churning up the ground below, teeth tugging against a metal bit. I run faster than I have ever run before, but it's chasing me. The sound increasing with intensity by the second. That, that, that! I keep running, my lungs burning, my heart pounding. The darkness is swallowing me up. The further I go, the heavier the air gets, slowing me down, pressing into my chest. I can't see anything. But I think they can see me. My trainers are the weight of lead. The floor seems to move against me. I stumble to the ground, helpless. I can't see anything, but I think they can see me. The air goes cold, chilling me through to the depths of my core. My bones are rigid. My lungs feel tight. I can't see anything, but I think they can see me. The dark folds around my neck, strangling, suffocating me. I hear the abrupt sucking of oxygen next to my ear. I can't see anything, but they can see me.